This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. It looked like Jeff Gordon had this field in the palm of his hand on that final restart, but Casey Kane would not accept the verdict. Kane takes the lead on the outside lane. He now drives away. The lead is seven. The lead is eight as he heads for the long punch straight. Casey Kane for the final time up the long punch straightaway here at Pocono Raceway. Pulling away now from Jeff Gordon at the entrance to the tunnel turn. The separation, nine car lengths. Casey Kane for the final time off turn two. Casey Kane leaving the field behind him at Pocono. Here he comes back into corner number three for the final time this afternoon. It's all Casey Kane. Came down to a battle among Hendrick Motorsports teammates. Casey Kane and Jeff Gordon. Casey Kane gets by when it counts and pulls away by nearly three seconds. He will win today at Pocono. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we put Bristol and the dirt race at Bristol in the rearview mirror and get ready to finish up the short track swing this weekend at the Martinsville Speedway. We are celebrating 75 years of NASCAR racing, and we're about to be given a list of the 75 greatest drivers in this sport, and one of them will stop by on this show today. We'll also explain how Martinsville and NASCAR 75th anniversaries intertwine. Tim Cattlefamo will guide us through the Wood Brothers quest to get 100 wins. We'll also have the lowdown on the all-star format at North Wilkesboro. Plus, we'll preview this weekend's NOCO 400 from Martinsville and a lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest check of NASCAR headlines. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, NASCAR has indefinitely suspended Cody Ware. Iredell County online jail records show Ware was taken into custody on Monday on charges of assault on a female and assault by strangulation, inflicting serious injury. Rick Ware Racing released a statement saying that they are aware of the incident with Cody and that the matter is still under investigation while Ware cooperates with authorities. The team also stated that they understand NASCAR's decision on the matter and accept it as they are committed to running multiple cars in the NASCAR Cup Series. Their plans for the 51 for Martinsville and beyond will be announced in the coming days. 
One driver who will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut this weekend will be Caden Honeycutt. The 19-year-old will pilot the number 74 Chevrolet Camaro for CHK Racing. Honeycutt is also coming off a Craftsman Truck Series Top 10 finish at the Bristol Dirt Race. Just a reminder that you can catch all of the Motor Racing Network's live coverage at the Martinsville Speedway beginning on Friday at 7 o'clock as the Craftsman Truck Series competition kicks off the weekend. And one more driver is slated to make his Xfinity Series debut, but will be doing so at Dover. Truck Series regular Corey Heim will pilot the number 24 for Sam Hunt Racing Saturday, April 29th. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we will visit with one of the most recent drivers named to the NASCAR's 75 Greatest Drivers list. And we'll also play in some Martinsville history as we get set for the paperclip this weekend. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2023 is the year where we celebrate 75 years of NASCAR racing. And with that, we also celebrate the 75 greatest drivers in the history of the sport. Back in 1998, a list of 50 was created. And now here in 2023, we're adding 25 more drivers to that list. We're announcing another one today and celebrating another one today, a driver that has 529 starts in the Cup Series, 27 poles, 18 wins. That driver is Casey Kane. Casey, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, Yeah, it's great to be be recognized as um, part of that list. And, um, man, I, I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed my years in NASCAR and put a lot into it over the years. You know, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, it's all I thought about for 15 or 16 years was, uh, was NASCAR and, you know, how to do the best job that I could at it and, um, you know, and enjoy it at the same time, enjoy it with the fans, enjoy it with the sponsors, all of our partners, things like that. So it was a, yeah, I had a, had a blast overall. What was your reaction when you got the call, got the text, got the communication that you were one of NASCAR's best 75? I, it was unexpected. I hadn't, uh, talked to Mike Helton and, probably four years and uh my phone showed up yesterday morning and his name was on it so it was uh very unexpected i saw his name and really didn't know why he'd be calling me and uh we got we got talking and he explained it was a great conversation and um yeah so it was it was really neat to be part of that for sure just i just mentioned your starts your polls your wins you drove for ray everham richard petty folks at red bull rick hendrick and hendrick motorsports what are some of the memories you have over that tenure that you had in the world of NASCAR, specifically the Cup Series? Really a, a, a ton of great memories, but, you know, I I would say um, some of the bigger wins were, were very special and exciting to, you know, get out of the car and first off see the crowd and see the excitement in the crowd in some of those earlier earlier days that I was racing and then uh, and then the team, when I got to victory lane to, to see the team and the excitement there, um, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun. I, I think all the teams and companies that I raced for, you know, really 
you know, good places over the years. I always thought that I would just race for Ray Evernham forever. And that was what would go on. And then all that changed and um, some ups and downs as that changed. The Red Bull deal was one of my favorite years that I was in NASCAR. They were um, just a really good, super upfront about what was going on, what our goals were, what we were trying to do for that year. And, and then that was it. You know, they were on their way out. And um, I liked that because I knew I always knew what was going on and exactly what was going on. And they gave us a really good opportunity. And by the end of that season, we were as strong as any team in the Cup Series. Um, you know, maybe a probably a top three team at the end of that season, the last last 10 races. So um, that was one of my that was a fun year. You know, there was just a lot of good things that went on that year. And then, um, you know, Hendrick, the first couple of years at Hendrick were, were special. Thought there was a lot of, uh, a lot of good times there. We missed out on many wins. Uh, we still had some, but I felt like we could add a lot more with just some different scenarios, which is part of racing. And, you know, everybody talks about that probably at some point, but, um, yeah, so those were those were really good, and then ended up with uh, Levine at the end, uh, LFR, which uh, that final year was pretty fun, you know, doing something different, uh, you know, with those guys. I know there's a lot of people that have meant a lot to you over the years, like Rick Hendrick, Ray Evernham, and I'm not trying to omit anyone. I'm asking you to give us some more names to that list. What are some of the dr drivers, some of the teams, some of the people in the sport that meant a lot to you, that meant a lot to your career while you were racing in NASCAR? Um, I would say, you know, first would be Kenny Francis. He was the crew chief that I felt understood what I needed. Um, when I would explain what I was lacking and what I needed to, to go fast, he understood me better than anyone else ever has. Um, so I would say, you know, Kenny was a huge part of, huge part of my career for sure. Um, and then I think a lot of the team members over the years, um, from all the teams that I was at, I had so many different team members and what they put into it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I went to Indy last year and did, did the ride along with Mario Andretti and, uh, was part of, you know, from winning the Brickyard race was, was a really special day. And, um, a lot of the officials, I ran into officials that I hadn't seen in a while that it was actually really cool because you know, they, I just felt like I was closer to those guys than I ever really realized it. And that was, that was pretty fun to, to run into a lot of the officials from, from the years running in NASCAR. I know that 2018 was your last year. Those are the last races that you ran. Your last full-time year was back in 17 and you never looked back and you've never come back. Have you ever had the, the want to come back and run NASCAR more? If, if so, why, if not, why? Um, I, you know, my body, uh, my health was struggling, uh, when I, when I stepped back and I was struggling to finish those races, you know, at the end there, Darlington was as bad as I've ever felt, um, in so many ways. And I'm, I was glad that I finished the race, but it was, it was a, it was a difficult day. So I just got away from it. Um, yeah, I feel like I'd love to you know, be part of it once in a while. Um, not at a full-time level, I don't think, but you know, just once in a while, it's like, man, I wish I could go race the cup race or Xfinity race, you know, and just be part of the part of that because I do miss it. And I put, I feel like I put so much time and effort into it over, over the years, you know, just to leave like I did was, uh, it's kind of crazy really. 
Um, so yeah, I think about it quite often uh, and and miss, you know, doing doing something with it. For the listeners and the fans that don't know, what are you doing these days, and how has your life changed over the last five or six years? I'm doing really well. Uh, we ha- still have our couple sprint car teams, which that's how I started in racing. That's how I got involved was in sprint car racing. That's how I, you know, grew to love uh, racing and the passion for it. So we still have those two teams. I've been driving a, a lot. Uh, is and then um, you know Brad Sweets our our main driver in the World of Outlaws with Napa, and he does a great job. He's won four straight World of Outlaw championships for KKR, which is um you know really cool for us and uh and for him so that's been been good and then i have my son tanner who's seven uh just the best uh most fun little boy you could could imagine and uh, now we have a little girl anna who's three months and um yeah so it's it's been really good uh spending time with them amy travels with me all the time and uh yeah we just we've had a great uh great run the last uh last three or four years for sure Well, I know that there's a lot of folks that miss you. We miss you. Would welcome the opportunity to have you back. But it sounds like you're in a good spot. Life is good. The kids are good. And we wish you the best. But most importantly, we congratulate you on on this this honor. You have become uh, a part of a very, very select group of NASCAR drivers to be celebrated in this 75th anniversary. And congratulations, my friend. It's well-deserved. Yeah, thanks a lot. And I, I'm uh, definitely going to make it down to, to Darlington in a few weeks uh, to be part of that that race weekend. It'll be pretty neat, pretty special to be part of that. And yeah, very, uh, very thankful for my years in NASCAR. Well, we appreciate you, my friend. Congratulations again, Casey Kane, one of 75 greatest drivers in the history of this sport as we celebrate NASCAR's 75th anniversary coming up we'll revisit some of the greatest moments from martinsville and later we'll put a spotlight on wood brothers racing well listeners in case you didn't get enough sports today here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports youtube is the new home of nfl sunday ticket and if you sign up now you'll get our lowest full season price of the year just go to youtube.com spotify offer to get 100 off nfl sunday ticket Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The histories of NASCAR and Martinsville Speedway are forever intertwined. The half-mile short track, about two hours north of Charlotte, celebrated their 75th anniversary a year ago. And with NASCAR celebrating the same milestone this year, we thought we'd take a trip down memory lane and explain Martinsville's importance to the sport. Jason Toy has more. NASCAR and Martinsville Speedway have been intertwined for the past seven decades. Just last year, Martinsville, the oldest track on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit, celebrated its 75th anniversary. Now in 2023, it's time for NASCAR to celebrate 75 years as a sport. You can't tell the history of NASCAR without detailing some of the most historic moments in the sport that occurred at the short track in the hills of southwestern Virginia. The first NASCAR race at Martinsville Speedway occurred on September 25, 1949. A field of 15 drivers went 200 laps around the Fame Paperclip. Red Byron went on to victory lane that afternoon in his 1949 Oldsmobile. White flag is out. Richard Petty coming down for the checkered flag. It's all over. At Martinsville, Virginia, Richard Petty has pulled it off. 
few have left behind a legacy quite like Richard Petty has on the sport of NASCAR. That legacy grew in part due to his dominance at Martinsville. No one owns more grandfather clocks than the King. Petty went to victory lane a record 15 times at the paperclip. He loved racing in Martinsville so much that he views it as his home track. I think we considered Martinsville our home track, even though it was in Virginia. Take an hour to get up there and everything. So it was kind of a deal that even my father won a couple of races up there. Uh, it was just our home track. And for some reason, Dale and them had the car set up. It was, it was the easy track. I loved to run Martinsville. For some reason, um, it was, if you put it anyway, it was a Richard Petty track. Everything everything about the track <clears throat> worked good to my driving ability. So, uh, and Dale's as far as setting up the car. So, uh, again, it was just our home race track. To this day, Petty hails as the youngest winner in Martinsville. The oldest winner designation goes to Harry Gant, who back in 1991 led 226 of the 550 laps on his way to victory lane at the age of 51. Gant's down on the inside of the track for the last time, making his move off turn number two. He will follow Bobby Hamilton down to the checkered flag. Harry Gant heads up to turn number three on his way to four in a row, almost unprecedented in this modern era of racing. Here he comes down to the line, and Harry Gant will win the goodies 500. Gant's win would be the fourth consecutive Cup Series Series win in 1991, tying him for the most consecutive race wins in NASCAR's modern era. Several of NASCAR's greatest drivers have etched their names into NASCAR history at Martinsville, including Jeff Gordon, a nine-time winner, whose 93rd and final career victory came at Martinsville in 2015. The drive for five is still alive. Jeff Gordon headed for checkered flag out of turn four. Would he win again? The answer is yes. He'll win at Martinsville. Jeff Gordon across the line for the 93rd time in his career. Jeff Gordon is going to victory lane. I, I really, I feel like I'm dreaming right now. I'm afraid I'm going to wake up and this is not going to be true. But we knew this was our opportunity. And, you know, we were just kind of, Trying to do our best throughout the whole day, you know, trying not to burn the rear tires off of it, needing some long runs. And, you know, of course, a lot of things unfolded that, that were unfortunate, but uh, sometimes, you know, you got you to gotta be there uh, and, and take advantage of those opportunities. And this team did that today. I'm so proud of them, so proud of Allen, this whole team. They've been working so hard, and we wanted this moment so bad. And, uh, and here it is, it happened. Kelly Arborough, Dale Earnhardt, and Rusty Wallace are a few of the names to have some of their greatest career moments at Martinsville. Darrell Waltrip, an 11-time winner, joins them among the legends of Martinsville. So what set them apart from the field for all those years? According to Waltrip, it came down to the drivers, not the car. You didn't have to have the best car. You just had to be the best driver. I always thought, in my mind, I'm kind of narrow-minded, but in my mind, it just come down to who was the best driver. Uh, Dale was a great, you know, he, he, he beat and bang, push his way around, get to the front one way or another. Terry Labonte was a great driver on the short tracks. Rusty was great. Mark was great. Those guys, we, we all had that experience. We had ASA experience. We had Xfinity experience. We just, those back in the day, we ran a lot of short tracks. So we had a, a finesse about us. We knew how to use it, work the gas, work the brake make the car do what we wanted it to. And I think that had a lot to do with the success that I had. I think that had a lot to do with the success of a lot of the 
some of the older drivers have had. Martinsville has played host to several of the greatest drivers in NASCAR's history, but also has been the site of one of the more meaningful moments across NASCAR history, including in October of 2013, when Bubba Wallace went to victory lane. Final time down the back straight away for Daryl Bubba Wallace on his way to victory lane, checkered flag in the air. The 20-year-old will win his first ever victory here in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Never got below the top six all afternoon and scores the win here today in the Kroger 200. You have always made it a point that you're a race car driver first, but this is a tremendous historic victory. The first time since Wendell Scott in 1963, an African-American in victory lane in a national touring series, and he's from 30 miles down the road. Put that in perspective. He was watching over me to this, this race, and it, it all goes to him. It just, you, it, it'll take me tomorrow to think about everything that has set in place, but to be the first since him, it's 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 outstanding, and it, I mean it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have everybody here with me celebrating. Even Kyle come up to me and Samantha here, so uh, this is badass. Wallace's first career victory in a NASCAR National Series was also the first by a black driver in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. He also joined Wendell Scott as the only African Americans to win a NASCAR National event. Martinsville, like several of the famous NASCAR circuits has several nicknames, including the Half Mile of Mayhem. It has lived up to that name in recent years, as NASCAR's playoff round of eight has concluded with several incredible finishes. One of the most indelible moments in NASCAR history occurred last fall at Martinsville, when Ross Chastain rocketed along the wall in the final corner at Martinsville Speedway, vaulting himself past Denny Hamlin and into the championship four. Further back, Ross Chastain. Chastain did a video game move, drove it and never lifted, put it against the safer barrier in turn three, never lifted all the way around the turn, and Ross Chastain passes Denny Hamlin. Ross Chastain will get into the playoff. I cannot believe what I just saw. He came down the back straightaway, wide open, never lifted, almost 70 miles per hour faster than anybody. Beat Denny Hamlin by four feet to the line. Never in my life have I seen a move like that. The Hail Melon's impact was so lasting that the move made deemed illegal during the offseason that followed Chastain's miraculous maneuver. They say that the past shaped who we are, but the future is where we are going. Certainly NASCAR's past has been shaped by the sport's relationship with the Martinsville Speedway. And wherever the sport goes in the future, Martinsville is sure to be involved. Thank you, Jason. Coming up, we'll examine the Wood Brothers' quest for their 100th win, and later we'll explain this year's all-star race format at North Wilkesboro. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. So glad you're with us here on this Tuesday night. And if you're headed to Martinsville this weekend, one stop that needs to be added to your visit is a trip just up the road to Stewart, Virginia, and the Wood Brothers Racing Museum. The family team has been a part of NASCAR from the start. Tim Catalfamo guides us through their history and their quest to capture that elusive 100th win. The bright, beautiful number 21 gets the checkered flag. David Pearson wins 1977. 
the checkered flag with Bonnet leading. Can they do it? Neil Bonnet comes to the line. Juan Carlick ahead. He will win the Talladega 500. The yeah. Wood Brothers have won it, Barney. They win by maybe an inch and a half or two, if that much. Throughout the 75-year history of NASCAR, there are few teams as iconic as the Wood Brothers. The team has been prominent for the better part of 75 years. From the early days to their dominance in the 1970s to the even more current years spent giving young drivers opportunities, the team has found success and had plenty of trips to victory lane. But now, eight races into the 2023 season, they are still in search of an elusive victory. Team win number 100. The family team was formed in 1950 in Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains. And fittingly, a family member in Glen Wood scored the first NASCAR victories for the team, winning three times at Bowman Gray Stadium in 1960. Legends like Marvin Panch, Tiny Lund, and Dan Gurney all won races for the team, but they found their first major match with a driver named Cale Yarbrough. Yarbrough won 13 races for the Wood Brothers from 1967 to 1970. The true decade of dominance for the team, though, was in the 1970s, and it really kicked off in a major way when they won the sport's biggest race in 1972, with one of the most famous drivers to ever step foot in a race car. A.J. Foyt running in groove number three, slowed off his pace considerably in that beautiful white and maroon and gold and silver Mercury he heads down to the trioval and to the start-finish line. Ladies and gentlemen, the 14th annual Daytona 500 belongs to A.J. Foyt. A.J. Foyt wins it. After A.J. Foyt's win at Daytona, the name who probably became most associated with the team, David Pearson, took over the ride. Pearson won six times for the team in 1972 and then followed it up in 1973, winning a staggering 11 times in only 18 races, including at the team's home track, Martinsville Speedway. At Martinsville, Virginia, David Pearson, having won races earlier this year, at Atlanta, at Darlington, at Rockingham, comes home victorious, gets his fourth victory of the season, real fine style on him, coming across the line as the number one driver, the laps are down, the white flag is out, he has defeated Kelly Arborough in a tremendous race that was waged over almost the last entire half of the event. Kelly Arborough coming by. He must be absolutely exhausted, and they wear and tear on him. There's the checkered flag out. Checkered flag is out as Pearson crosses the line, and David Pearson, once again, is a winner, this time in a race he has never won before. When all was said and done, the Silver Fox won 43 times for the Wood Brothers from 1972 through 1978, making up for nearly half of the team's current 99 wins. For the remainder of the century, drivers like Neil Bonnet, Buddy Baker, Kyle Petty, and Dale Jarrett all scored wins for the team, including both Petty's and Jarrett's first Cup Series victories, along with Buddy Baker's final win at Daytona in 1983. Petty and Jarrett getting their first wins for the team were a sign of things to come. After struggling for most of the 1990s, the team took on an identity of giving young drivers a shot in the 21st century. One of those drivers was Elliot Sadler. The Virginia native made most of the opportunity when he ended an eight-year winless streak for the team in the spring of 2001 at the Bristol Motor Speedway. The team faced more adversity after this, however, struggling to find victory lane for the rest of the decade, even scaling back to a part-time operation. With a nearly 10-year stretch without a win, many wondered if the Wood Brothers would be stuck at 97 wins forever. This was until a virtually unknown driver named Trevor Bain got behind the wheel of the 21 
and helped one of the most famous teams in the history of NASCAR return to victory lane in the 2011 edition of the Great American Race. Trevor Bain playing defense. He's out in front at age 20. He's going to win the 53rd Daytona 500. Trevor Bain gets the win for the Wood Brothers, and they're dancing on pit road, Alex Hayden. They are indeed Leonard Wood, one of the pioneers of NASCAR racing. He's going to run out and celebrate. Donnie Wingo is down here. Edsel Ford is down here. All of the Ford family on top of the pit box, and there are high fives, and more importantly, there are tears around Mr. Wood. Congratulations. You're going back to Victory Lane in Daytona. Oh, thank you very much. That's awesome race ever. The, the guy was so talented. It was just wonderful. To this day, the win goes down as one of the most popular in the history of the sport. The team returned to a full-time organization in 2016, partnering in alliance with Team Penske. The ride was then used as a place for youngster Ryan Blaney to get his feet wet in the Cup Series. Young Ryan Blaney, as a result, was able to score win 99 for the team at Pocono in 2017, making him yet another driver to score their first win in Wood Brothers equipment. Ryan Blaney by a car length and a half over Kevin Harvick looking to bring the Wood Brothers to victory lane for the first time at Pocono in a long time. He has the lead coming off turn number three. He holds the lead to the line and 23-year-old Ryan Blaney will score his first career win here at Pocono Raceway today. The Wood Brothers making their 60th start here. Ryan Blaney making his third and he scores the win in the Pocono 400. With win 99 in the rearview mirror, the quest for 100 was on in full force. After Blaney moved to the number 12 car, Paul Menard and Matt Benedetto were the names tasked with getting the landmark victory, with Benedetto coming up just inches short at Talladega multiple times. Racing back to the checkered flag, Denny Hamlin on the inside, Matt Benedetto on the outside, William Byron, Ty Dillon right there at the line. Who's going to win? The scoring monitor shows Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin, who looked like he faded down the super stretch, rallies back, steals the victory from Matt DiBenedetto. The man who is now tasked with getting the Wood Brothers to triple digits in the win column is a young driver who has roots in the state of Virginia, Harrison Burton. As the son of another Virginia driver, Jeff Burton, the second-generation driver knows what winning a cup race would mean for his career. But Harrison is more focused on the milestone for his team than he is for his own. That's my only goal, right, is try and get them their 100th win and been trying to work on that for a long time and you know, they've obviously been working on it forever, and, and I just want to get it done for them. It'd be so cool for them, and along with that would be my first cup win, and so everyone wants that. So, it, you know, it would be an awesome scenario, and, you know, for me it would be uh, really cool for me personally, but almost cooler to share it with those guys, and, and there's not a race team that deserves it more than, than the Wood Brothers. So will it be Harrison Burton who scores the elusive 100th win for the Wood Brothers? Will the Burton name be put alongside drivers like Yarbrough, Pearson, Jarrett, and Pen in the storied history of the team. While those questions are yet to be determined, one thing is clear. The next time the famed 21 visits Victory Lane will not only be a landmark moment for the team and the driver, but for the sport of NASCAR as a whole. Thank you, Tim. Coming up, Susie Armstrong tells us what we're in for when we head to North Wilkesboro for the All-Star Race next month. And later, we hear what drivers are expecting on Sunday in the NOCO 400. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. 
Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We've done a lot of reminiscing on this week's show, and things will be no different in just over a month when the NASCAR Cup cars return to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the first time in 27 years. The format for that return in the NASCAR All-Star Race was announced late last week. Susie Armstrong is here to explain it to us. This May, the NASCAR All-Star Race will return once again, but with a trip down memory lane. For his fourth win in the last five races and for the final checkered flag at the North Wilkesboro Speedway in a NASCAR Winston Cup race, Jeff Gordon wins the Tyson Holly Farms 400, one second over Dale Earnhardt. The last Cup Series race at the now-revived North Wilkesboro Speedway was in 1996, so this year's All-Star Race has raised a ton of questions. One that was recently answered was, what will the format look like? NASCAR Chief Operating Officer Steve O'Donnell said two individuals played a pivotal role. It's kind of been a group effort with Scott Miller, Dale, and the, and the folks at, at the track also. And Scott was able to bring some of the things that worked well for us at the Coliseum. Combine that with kind of Dale Jr.'s experience around the Cars Tour. And I think the two were able to, to mesh together and, and put a really neat format together. Many drivers are pleased with the format, including veteran Kevin Harvick. format looks good. You don't have to have any nonsense to make the race good, so... But it's been a long time since the most talked about race is the All-Star Race. And obviously North, North Wilkesboro is the reason that that is the way that it is. So I think everybody's excited about going back there and, and racing on the old asphalt and the track that many of us watched as, as young kids. Some of them weren't born. But, you know, it's, it's just got that nostalgic, historic feel to it and everybody's excited about it. The first qualification for this year's competition isn't much of a change. Any past NASCAR Cup Series champions, as well as former All-Star race winners, have a spot secured in the main event, as well as any drivers who have won a Cup Series points race in 2022 or 23. One major change is that there will be heat races to decide starting spots in Sunday's feature. The starting positions of those heat races will be decided by the results of the pit crew challenge. Someone that's excited to see how his team decides his fate is Bubba Wallace. The majority of us have wanted to see the pit crew challenge come back that we used to host down in Charlotte. And it really puts a spotlight on them and has their families out and they get to see what, you know, their dads or moms or wives and girlfriends or whatever it may be. They get to do and perform, right? And uh, it's it's really cool to uh, let them have that spotlight. Uh, our pit crews are really, you know, as much as you know we, we think about it, they're they're a massive part of the team. They make or break races, and they're they're really unsung heroes. You know, you come in fifth and go out first. I mean, that's all them, right? And they don't they don't get enough credit. So to put the ball in their court and let them see how they perform, just uh, it's like, all right, here you go, here's your chance. So it'll be fun. The first 60-lap heat race will decide the inside row, while the second will decide the outside row of Sunday's Million Dollar Challenge. After the heat races decide the lineup, there will be two different ways to secure a spot if you don't meet the qualifications. Drivers who fall under that category will compete in the 100-lap NASCAR Open prior to the main event. The top two finishers of that heat will transfer, leaving one spot open that is decided by the results of the fan vote. One driver that 
as of now will have to compete in the Open is Harrison Burton, and he recognizes that racing his way in will be difficult. It's definitely going to be uh, challenging, like you said, the way the format is if, if you're not a winner to, to try and get in. And so it's it's going to be really cool, and, and the format is what it is, and you know we just have to do our job, and if we do our job, we'll be in it. So no matter what, we have a chance, and that's really all that matters. And to do it at North Wilkesboro is really exciting. I know all the drivers are pretty excited, especially after the test. I know NASCAR and or, or – I think it was RFK actually posted some videos of Busher going around there and just barely babying the throttle off the corners and things like that that are excite guys that have been able to do that. It's a fun race when you're kind of struggling for grip like that. What has many people intrigued are the restrictions in the main event. There will be 200 laps total split up into two stints, which was something Dale Earnhardt Jr. was very adamant about. When we throw the green flag, we should just give them 100 straight laps of green flag racing. You know, if there's a natural yell in there, fine. But let's take all the gimmicks out. Let's just see these cars go around the racetrack. Let's just watch these drivers struggle with the grip and the challenge of that that surface. Let's watch and see who's trying to save some tire and who's maybe trying to take advantage of, of getting some track position early and let the race sort of play out. And it's a traditional short track style event. You know, a couple hundred laps, a few sets of tires, and you just have to do your best. But... It should be a good card, a good program that people are happy with when it's all said and done. The last 100 laps will be a shootout where drivers can use only one set of tires. So when and how they manage them is going to be no easy task. One driver who's wanting more time in advance to prepare is Brad Kozlowski. What I didn't see in the format was if there was going to be any kind of warm-up or practice session or anything like that. I, uh, maybe maybe there is, and I just missed it. Maybe that's what the heats are for. I, I don't know, but a lot of question marks. Uh, my teammate Chris Busher went there and tested here a couple weeks ago, and I was dying to get in that car and run it, and hopefully I can find a, a really good late model or something for the, the preliminary races the week uh, before. But uh, it'll be interesting to see it all play out. Uh, the great thing is, is you know, it's not a points event, and we can just kind of go do it. Speaking of his teammate, Chris Busher was one of the drivers who have cut laps on the revived oval during a tire test and provided some insight on what might play out in this year's event. It's going to be tough. Long runs. Track is definitely going to wear tires out quick. I'd imagine from the, the test we had with just three of us, the groove will widen out, put down significantly more rubber. I think that uh, we were hanging on after 50 laps, though, so I'm uh, curious to see how that all goes with the uh, 100-lap runs in there. It could be very, very tricky. I think with that, you'll probably have some cautions just from the extreme lack of grip later in some of those runs, but I think it's going to be really neat. The place looks fantastic. Excited to give it a go. Returning to North Wilkesboro has brought out a lot of different perspectives, including one from A.J. Allmendinger, who views the event as an opportunity. It's really cool just to go to a historical place like that. You know, that's a racetrack that I grew up watching as a kid and, and love watching the cup races there and to be able to go back to it, it's going to be really cool. You know it's going to be packed there. So, you know, for us at College Racing, our short track program has been the biggest struggle. So it just gives us another chance to be able to work on it and, and try to be better at a race that at least doesn't count for points. But yeah, it's cool to be going back to places like that. At the end of the day, the event has provided a sense of reinvigoration to the all-star race, something Dale Earnhardt Jr. thinks the sport desperately needs. This talk about do we need the all-star race? Come on. We need the all-star race. You know, there's been a little talk about, man, maybe we shouldn't have it. Maybe we don't need to clash. Maybe we don't, you know, I don't like that conversation. We need the clash. We need the all-star race. We need these, you know, these non-points, low-pressure, winner-takes-all moments that, you know, that happen throughout, you know, once or twice a year. And this, this race needs to matter, right? 
and, and maybe this will steer back in that direction. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's racing action at Martinsville. And later, we'll close the show with a snippet from the classic race of the week. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Our last trip up to Martinsville was a weekend that will be remembered forever. This Sunday's racing action is sure to deliver as well. Kyle Ricky is back with what the drivers are expecting. The three-week short track swing for the NASCAR Cup Series wraps up this weekend at the half-mile paperclip known as Martinsville Speedway. This marks the first of two annual trips to Martinsville on the Cup schedule. The last time the series raced there was in October of last season. That race will go down in NASCAR history because of Ross Chastain's Hail Melon move. But the race winner that day shouldn't be forgotten. Christopher Bell's clutch win locked him into the championship four for 2022. And as he heads back to that track for the first time since that moment, he says that that race has upped his level of confidence heading to that track. Yeah, I probably feel the most confident out of or going to that track out of the rest of them just because we have we did really well there last year. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you always look at previous race notes and uh, the places that you run good at are the ones that you feel the most confident at. And, um, you know, Martinsville is probably our best race last year. Bell isn't the only Joe Gibbs racing driver with a high level of confidence this week. Martin Truex Jr. shares his teammate's sentiment, but his optimism is more based on his run at the Clash and the speed his team showed at Richmond. Yeah, definitely uh, high confidence compared to last year. I mean, um, you know, short tracks were a struggle last year for us, Martinsville especially. Um, and, you know, to go out, to be able to go win the Clash and then run like we did at Richmond, it, you know, gives me a lot of confidence going forward that, you know, our Martinsville stuff should be good. And, Love going there. It's a, it's a good, you know, really good track for us over the years, except for last year. So hopefully we can, you know, we can continue that and uh, use that going forward. One thing that will be different about this weekend is the new short track package being featured. The lack of passing at Martinsville last year is one of the big reasons that this package was implemented. Former winner Alex Bowman is optimistic in terms of what changes we will see. Hopeful that it changes Martinsville, right? Because um, last year was not what we all wanted from Martinsville. It's not what we all came to love about that place. So, yeah, hopefully it, it improves that racing there. Um, just, you know, getting the tire to fall off, getting the rear tires to wear out, creating forward drive issues to where you can't just downshift and accelerate off the corner and stop in the center of the corner and still be, beat the guy behind you. So, um yeah, we'll see. Hopeful. Obviously, it's a step in the right direction, and I think it's really going to be about the weather and how the rubber lays down and, and how the tire falls off more than anything. This will be the fourth time that we have seen this package this year, after having seen it at Phoenix and Richmond, as well as on the road course at Circuit of the Americas. While Hendrick Motorsports and JGR have both showed speed with this low downforce package, one driver who admits he hasn't figured it out quite yet is Richard Childress Racing's Kyle Busch. So far with the uh, lower downforce package, I have been loose. So um, we have not figured out how to get my back end in the racetrack the way I need it to be. So that is definitely been our struggle and so i don't see the same struggle from some of the other guys they've, they've been able to figure it out a lot better than we have so they've been faster but as far as the aero deficiencies that you see following trailing other cars yes it's better on a one to ten scale 
If we were a seven bad before, I think we're still probably a five. After a few years under the lights, Sunday's cup race at Martinsville will return to an afternoon race, a change that Michael McDowell says should lead to some better racing. Yeah, I think day racing the last few years has just been better at a lot of tracks um, just from a rubber standpoint and and track moving around and racing standpoint so you know it just depends on the weather at martinsville the the two races that we have there really fall in those weird zones where it could be 80 degrees like it was yesterday or it could be 40 (laughs) and you just never know what you're going to get but the weather and sun plays a big part of of how the track races and how wide it gets and the rubber going down and fall off and all those things so i think the daytime gives us a bigger window for a potentially better race whether this race takes place in the daylight or under the lights One thing that is a constant at Martinsville is the long green flag runs. Bell admits that those long runs can be some of the most taxing laps of the season, but also says that he looks forward to them because it can help you separate yourself from the rest of the field. Martinsville and Bristol are like the two racetracks where you run 500 laps, and that is just like an insane amount of laps. And we always talk about like short run, long run. And and typically like a short run is like your five to 10 lap runs. Long runs would be like like, you know, 40 to 50. But at Martinsville, you still have that 10 to 20 lap run, and then you have that 40 to 50 lap run, and then all of a sudden you have the 100, 120 lap runs. So it definitely gets taxing whenever you get late into the stages but you know i think those whenever you get deep into the runs that's when everyone starts struggling and uh that's whenever it gets really enjoyable because you're able to separate yourselves as drivers will bell or kyle larson score their second victory of the season or will we see our third different winner in as many weeks of this short track swing We'll all find out on Sunday when MRN's flag-to-flag coverage of the NOCO 400 begins at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That Martinsville preview was brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll put a bow on this week's show by revisiting the 2014 Goodies Headache Release Shot 500 from Martinsville. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. And before we go, we figure we dial up the OMRN time machine to the fall of 2014 when one of NASCAR's most popular drivers captured that elusive Martinsville clock. Three wide into three as Stenhouse brushes the wall. Dale Jr. goes to the second spot. Four to go, and apparently Dale Earnhardt Jr. wants that grandfather clock. He sets his sights on the race leader, Tony Stewart. Jeff Gordon rides in the third spot. They're three wide all the way through one and two, but they get away. Here comes Jr. to the bottom. Dale Earnhardt Jr. ducks low on Stewart. They bang a bit in three. Earnhardt is there. They bang again in four. Earnhardt is through and Gordon as well. Junior glances off the side of Tony Stewart, but he gets the lead. Jeff Gordon goes to second. Tony falls to third. Two car lengths the advantage for Dale Earnhardt Jr. over Jeff Gordon as they get away down the back straightaway and into turn three. Two laps to go. Jeff Gordon starting to close down, but will he have enough time? Junior across the line. Three car length advantage over Jeff Gordon. Gordon cuts it down to two. 
but JL Jr. is glued to the bottom off the top of turn number two, down the back straightaway. The lead is still two car lengths for Dale Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. works off turn number four. His dad was very successful here. Finally, it looks like he's going to make it one more lap. The white is out at Martinsville. Two car length advantage for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Try to be the chase buster at Martinsville. Down the back straightaway. Checkered flag ready to fly. It's Earnhardt in turn three. Oh, what a win it was that day. You can hear that race in its entirety right now on MRN.com or by subscribing to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd like to thank Casey Kane for joining us on the show this week. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. Check us out on NASCAR Live Wide Open Thursday and also NASCAR Live Race Day on Sunday from Martinsville. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.